0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm Busy Gold, and I'm actually here with an episode that we filmed about two and a half years ago with a dear friend, my husband's absolute best friend in the whole world, who I had the pleasure of getting to know throughout my marriage. And unfortunately, he passed away on October 20th, performing a stunt for one of his music videos. He's survived by thousands of people that love and adore him. He will be eternally missed. And The words that he has to share about following his passion, living life to the fullest, and always staying committed should be shared with the whole world. I would shout his positive message from the rooftops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And Hi, I'm Busy Gold. You're watching The Modern Good, and today I am here with John James, a professional athlete turned stunt rapper. Today we're going to find out all about his creative process and also what some of his lowest lows and highest highs have been. Let's welcome John James.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hello, the ladies on the forum are totally digging you. I've already looked at some Instagram comments just from you posting that we're filming today. And I think you have one big fan favorite that we're probably gonna to wanna to give a shout out to. Her Instagram handle is at neat love yoga and she is probably married, but also obsessed with John James. <laughs> it's shout okay, out. it's totally in a platonic way. Um, so lots of things to discuss today. One of which, which I think is probably the best thing to start off with, is give us a little bit about your background. I have a background in skiing, so I grew up knowing all about you, but why don't you tell some of our audience members what you're best known for?
1: Um, I guess I'm best known for kind of my innovative, crazy stunts in the action sports world. I've, I've always been kind of against the grain and growing up skiing, I just decided to go the unconventional route
0: you and, don't say. Yeah. We're all about disruption.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took a very unconventional route, which just followed my natural passion, which led to some crazy innovative stunts that kind of got me a name as a bit of a loose cannon in the industry, which ended up leading to a stunt career and just kind of paved the way into this music career. It's, it's kind of a fluke that I ended up being a stunt rapper because all it was was me following blindly by passions, and they led to this combined, weird, bizarre series of skills that made me what I am today.
0: That's awesome. And we're going to find out what all of those skills are and how you ended up merging them together to Mm -hmm. emerge as John James. So back in the day, you were one of the best known professional skiers in the world. What is the, I I seem to recall that you were known for some trick back flipping, I believe, on and off of a rail, is that
1: Yeah, I innovated innovated a lot of the rail flip stuff. So I, I think to this day, actually, I'm still the only person to ever flip off a rail slide onto another rail slide.
0: Yes, I saw so, that transfer. Yeah,
1: so I, I innovated a lot of those rail stunts. There's, I mean, there's still a lot of guys doing some. So
0: what you're telling me is that you get scared really easily. <laughs> you're totally calculated and love to know what's coming. Next.
1: The funny thing is, is people get surprised when I tell them I actually have a slight fear of heights. No way. It's weird. So one of my How best. How does that manifest? It. It. One of my best friends, Rory Bushfield, mm-hmm. um, has no sense of like fear when it comes to heights so we jump off a lot of the same things and this is where the difference is we'll stand on the edge of a cliff that surely will kill us if we fall off it the wrong way and he just sits on the edge of it like like it's no big deal and me I just like to stand back I have no problem jumping off it but I don't like yeah, to I like, like it, it's it's just what if I slip I don't like being out of control it's mm-hmm. like when I skydive skydive for the first time I, they made me attach myself to another person I was terrified I really didn't, didn't
0: trust the other person. It was,
1: I wasn't in control. It was weird. And then the second I jumped out of the plane by myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this. So, so
0: you trust yourself.
1: I, yeah, I trust myself.
0: So for someone to trust themselves that much, they're obviously very self-aware and calculated mm. in a way. Obviously, you're very spontaneous and you like to take risks. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you prepare for a stunt or for a performance or something where there's risk involved?
1: The first and foremost important thing is my intuition. Like, I intuitively just, like, follow my gut. Like, I believe the things that, like, excite your soul, whether they're people or ideas, are, like, your calling. So if I see something that's a stunt idea and it excites me internally, I know that's, like, what I need to pursue. And then from there, I assess my skills. Like, intuitively, I know my skills pretty well. It took a lot of breaking bones and being an idiot in my, like, teen years to, like... Don't
0: <laughs> worry, we're going to talk all about us breaking bones <laughs> later
1: To learn on. this I'll intuition, go. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it really made some stupid decisions to get to that point, but... It's at a point where I just like I trust my skill set and I, I, I know if I got the skill set and my intuition tells me to do it, then it becomes like almost like a spiritual plane of like not questioning it. Like it's like I'll do a stunt it's where... Yeah, I, I do a stunt where surely one wrong move will kill me. But I am so entrusting the process that it's like I don't even question it for a second. It's like time stops and I just am in this moment that I just know.
0: So for some of us that have seen your stunts, one of which, if you want to head over to YouTube and check out the John James YouTube page, it's the featured trailer video for "Hello," where he how many backflips do you how many gainer backflips do you do off that bridge?
1: It's it's just a it single. single. No, it's, it's, it's just a, it's the a, a single gainer.
0: <laughs> I'm not doing it justice. Head over to the John James YouTube page right now. He does a gainer off of a bridge that's how many feet high?
1: It's a. Uh... I'm not sure exactly, to be honest, but it's a base jump. you got to pull. You die if you don't yeah. pull your parachute.
0: It's a base jump. So he's got a base jumping rig on. So for stunts like that, obviously there's a significant amount of training that goes in. For any of your other stunts, I mean, obviously most of them, you're not just like, hey, I want to do that, and you go bust it that day. What is your process? look like when you're actually prepping for a stunt? Does it involve anything that you do in the gym, anything that you do? I know in skiing, we used to use water ramps slot. lot. Yeah. Is there anything that you would do to prepare for a stunt like that? That's obviously a life or death
1: yeah. situation. The life or death stuff, I, I tend to prepare a little more for just because it's literally going to kill me if I don't do it right. So I assess like what my skills were like, like, for example, the gainer off the moving semi trailer. For me, the biggest risk was I had to gap over. I forgot
0: to mention that part. He's on a moving truck when he does the gainer. But again, you two. (laughs) Like
1: for me, I had never base jumped. I had no skydiving history either. Like I had no parachute abilities. So the idea, and this is a trick that had never been done in the base jumping community. Like no pro base jumper I've ever done this. So the idea of me coming in as a total rookie to the sport and doing something like that actually pissed a lot of people off. They're like, who do you think you are? But the thing I knew I could do was the gainer. I've I've been gainering off shit for... As long as i can remember so can it's you tell like, our
0: audience members what a gainer
1: is a gainer is where you run forward and do a backflip so you push off something but you flip backwards so uh, having this like in very like intuitive like thing with gainers like i've just done so many my biggest obstacle was having to do it off a moving vehicle and clear a 12-foot sidewalk so the 12-foot sidewalk, the like,
0: 12-foot sidewalk yeah th- there's a hand
1: railing so if I don't clear that, and I knew I was only clearing it by two feet, like my my trajectory of my my jump was only gonna clear it by two feet. So like literally the smallest error, I clip my head and it just lights up. But Spot. once again, it was an intuitive process that I totally trusted on like with every fiber in my being. Like I just knew I had it. But that was probably the biggest obstacle was assessing like making sure I had that distance. Cause after that, like I didn't, yeah, I didn't know how to base, just base jump. But when you're that aerially aware, I guess, like, I I knew what I was doing as far as the, the jump goes, all I had to do was pull the frickin' chute, like it's not frickin' rockin' science, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then at that point you fly your chute.
0: Although, for <laughs> most people, in a state of you know, adrenaline rush like that, even something simple like pulling a chute might be rather
1: challenging. True, but this is the trippy part. So everyone's like, the adrenaline rush. People, it's weird, it's, with these high-level stunts, they kind of are adrenaline, but they're kind of not. They're all, almost like calming. It's like, especially, A lot of commitment. there's yeah, just like, you're so present. Like you have no, you can't trip, you can't think of anything outside of that moment because literally your whole life's on the line. So it's like, you're just so in that moment. Like when you land it, that's like when the adrenaline kicks in, but there's really no adrenaline in the moment. I find at least like, I'm like, just on this plane of like, fuck yeah, this feels good. Like, more, know, like more meditative. yeah, more meditative. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're just like, like, it's almost like you blank out. That's why you got to decide before. Like when you drop in, you're, you're done. Yeah. Like you're committed. Everything stops. You're no longer using. It's almost like you're not using your conscious mind as much anymore. Absolutely. You're in like a different state of being.
0: You're tapped into the universal. consciousness.
1: Straight up. So like before you drop in, you better make sure you know what the fuck you're doing, because otherwise, that's where you've. That's where your assessment has to come in. That's why I say intuition. It's like a feeling I get. Show up.
0: <laughs> so, as you're on top of the truck, which again, people, if you're watching this and you still haven't watched this stunt, just pause me. I'll be back. When you're on the top of the truck and the truck is approaching the bridge, what is the thought that's in your head right before you actually do your gainer?
1: I'm like, oh, I'm gonna fucking kill this shit right now. <laughs>
0: so it's just like full on swag. Like, Let me brush the bottom. It
1: this kind of is. Thing. So this is the, the, that stunt particularly was really funny. So. Because I had, like I literally didn't know anything about base jumping. I called my homeboy and I was like, "Yo, what's the thing about the flap? Because I guess if you do a gainer, if you go pass over rotate a gainer mm-hmm. <clears throat> on a Velcro uh, parachute, which is what I had on, mm-hmm. um, the flap might not open. Like you can catch your shit, and it just like obviously if the, your chute doesn't open, you die. So if you screw up your gainer, it's important to like open this flap that would normally be closed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <clears throat> I think he said something about the flap. So I call him. He's like, "Yeah, you want to keep that flap open?". I'm like, oh, "Okay. And we had, we had like. Like, it was totally illegal what we were doing. So we had, like, a 10-minute window. Sun was setting. Very limited time. Mm-hmm. All cameras rolling ready to go. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the flap. So I put down the phone. I'm like, I'm like okay, I got to, like, open this flap. So I'm going to take the shoot off and do whatever. So I go to the driver. I'm like, yo, letting him know, like, to chill. He's like, go. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, fuck. oh, fuck. So then it just started moving. I was like, you know what? Like, it I got this. Okay. I, I, it's just like. I just trusted, like I was like, I'm not gonna fuck this up. Like I just knew I had it on like a different level, so I just came in like I got this.
0: Wow, that's impressive that you wouldn't have just shit yourself right then, <laughs> <laughs> telling someone to stop, and they're like, "Go, biggest stunt of your entire career." All right, let's go, buddy. So that stunt was a huge feat to accomplish. I mean, anyone looking at it without even understanding the aerial tactics involved in the stunt would see what a big feat that stunt was. What comes next for you? How do you outdo something that crazy?
1: I always have ideas. And to be honest, the hardest part is not the stunt. It's everything else. The resistance you're met by humanity by breaking outside of the rules, everyone's so like, no, but you can't do that. It's like, yeah, you can, bro. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean you can't do it. And like, people have a hard time fathoming that. So, like, I got so much resistance for that. Like, we had the sheriff involved. We had, like, the entire town against it. Like, the community. It's like, and that's, like, a common thing. Yeah. That's why at the beginning of the video, I say, uh, what did I say, something about Pastrana? Pastrana came up and he's like, yo, bro, thanks for taking the heat off us. Because Nitro Circus, I mean, they do, like, some of the crazy shit in the world. So they're always dealing with, like, the law and getting in trouble. And they have so much heat on them, like, 24-7 with everything they do. And this was one of the first times they were able to go do their stunt stuff because everyone was tripping about this rapper who was about to kill himself. So it's like me, I found the biggest obstacles are like manifesting these things. So some of my ideas like involve like skyscraper buildings with ramps off them and like transfers from building to building, like, like I can think it up all day and I can imagine doing it. But then convincing everyone else that I can do this and that's never been done, like half these things. And then investing the money into the idea, like getting sponsors to be like, yo, back me. I know I'm gonna kill myself if it doesn't work, but trust but me, I got this, does, I got this, bro. It's like, be awesome. you know what I mean? Like, so I gotta convince everybody it's a good idea. Then actually manifest the whole thing. It's like all the work up to that—that's way harder than the actual stunt. So, do
0: you have <laughs> one currently in preparation today?
1: I have a few I want to do, and it's going to be which one's the easiest to manifest. I almost don't want—I almost don't want to say them because they like.
0: Can you just give our audience just like a little baby teaser?
1: <laughs> like maybe tease? what type
0: of? Because I mean, I know you well enough to know that sometimes it's a BMX bike, sometimes it's. Ski, I do have a BMX one, one I really feet. want to do. You know, one thing that I can tell you about John James is even if it's not a sport that he's proficient at, he'll become an expert real quick. So can you at least just let us know what um, modality the stunt would be in that you've got up in, up in the Um list?
1: I got a skateboard one I really want to do, a BMX one, a dirt bike one. Probably one of the cool ones, that this one would be really fresh for me, I guess. I mean, to be honest, the funny thing is in that Hello! music video, where I do the base jump and the skydive stuff. Mm-hmm. The craziest thing, or the most nerve-wracking thing, was, I the say, was the BMX. Was the BMX? Because I had no BMX experience, so I had to drop in this sketchy little ramp, backflip a BMX. Like the ramp, I had a pro BMXer there just to like test it out to see if the mechanics worked. And he's like, "Bro, that was sketchy." And now I like don't even know how to BMX really. That's the and last to, thing
0: you want to hear from a pro BMX <laughs> when you've just learned how to ride I, a BMX.
1: Yes, so I had to figure that that out. That was like way more nerve-wracking. But I do have a BMX one I want to do. So. I wanna have a moving semi trailer again, but this time a flatbed. Okay. With a ramp dropping down. So here's the moving semi trailer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm up here. It's going down the highway like this. I drop in the back end.
0: Onto the
1: semi? Onto, I'm already onto the on the semi. Like, oh, okay. Onto the ramp. Like there's a ramp on yes, the flatbed. Yes, yes,
0: got it. Just took me a second to yep. wrap my brain. I know.
1: It's a, kind okay. of confusing to imagine. So here's this big moving ramp down the highway. I drop in on a BMX. I flip the BMX over like a convertible of like my friends just like partying, like you mm-hmm. know turning up, like getting it mm-hmm. in. And then I land in the back of like a dump truck with like, you know, some sort of like hay or something or I don't know exactly what the Not garbage,
0: you don't want to land on garbage.
1: It's, it's not swag, you don't mm-hmm. want to land on garbage. You want to land on something But cool. hay is
0: totally Hay is kind
1: of like farm We should try to make it something cool actually. Yeah, you
0: should have landed in something dope. Bras. V- <laughs> v- Vicky's if you listen to any of John, John James's tracks, Calls everything Vickies, I remember looking at my husband and husband being like, what the fuck is a Vicky? That doesn't make any sense, I'm like Victoria's Secret. I do
1: Vickies. rap about Vicky's a lot. I love Vicky's. they look so good.
0: You like what's underneath the Vickies. <laughs> let's, let's go real, real, real. Yeah. John likes the external and the internal. So, in terms of your rap career, I think we're all dying to know it's not a very logical transition from professional athlete to rapper, and there must have been one moment in your life that shifted your perception of what the rest of your life was going to be. I mean, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I've been in the ski field where, to me, all I could see was going to the Olympics, and then I had an injury completely shift my perception of what was to come after, and I realized, fuck, I better go to school and be smart because this shit's not gonna work out. Mm -hmm. So what was the moment in your career where you shifted from professional skiing to I'm pretty fucking good at rapping, I wanna do this?
1: It definitely wasn't that, but there was a significant moment. I wish it was that. So, as a child, <laughs> You're
0: like smoking crack on the street <laughs> or something.
1: No, okay. as a child, I had two dreams: one to be a rock star and one to be a pro athlete. As cliche as it comes for so many people, but they were like what I wanted to do. I pursued the pro athlete thing, became a pro athlete, and was like, "Wow, you really can do whatever you put your mind yeah, to." That was you my can first. Your dreams. Like people say it right, but mm-hmm. until you prove it to yourself, it's like kind of a myth. And then I proved it to myself, I'm like, wow, this shit really works. Like, you can manifest anything you want. I was like, what do I really want to do? It's like, man, I chose the, I felt like I chose the wrong field. Like, I felt like I made a mistake. Because I was like, I really want to do this music stuff. But the problem was, I'm a paid professional athlete getting flown around the world. I'm a shitty rapper with, like, whack as they come. He's
0: not shitty anymore.
1: Yeah, but at the time, I was really bad at, like, <laughs> like I, I, it's not like I was, like, this super dope rapper where I was like, go give it a shot, man, you got a chance. It's like no one in their right mind co-signed that decision. Like I was just like, but me, it was like, I couldn't explain the feeling inside. It's like, no, this is like, like, it burns inside of me. Like I have to do this. So I was actually torn for a little bit on the pro circuit. I'd be on the pro circuit and I'd be like, I started writing my r- raps and like working hard and being like, like, my heart wasn't in the athlete stuff as much. Which
0: can, which can be was, really dangerous too. It's really
1: dangerous and it really affects your mental, like going out there, like risking your life every day. So I'm sitting here being like, like kind of torn at this. I'm not good at this. Like, how do I transition this? Like, I'm just having this internal conflict. And then at the beginning of one of my seasons, I had a pretty serious injury. I ended up breaking my back, which is a breaking your back's, I mean, not a great injury, but also at the beginning of the season, like when you call, when your sponsors find that out, like your contracts are going down. Like, you just missed all your movie segments, all the contests, like all, so many important photo shoots. Like, it's the worst timing for an injury. So I'm, I'm chilling in the hospital. My homeboy's like, bro. Why the fuck are you smiling right now? I'm like, dude, it's, it's fate. It's a sign. I'm, I'm meant to be a rapper. <laughs> oh my god. So I took, I, that, that was like my moment of like, like I had already decided I want to be a rapper, I just didn't know the transition. That was the moment where I was like all in. I just took all my pro athlete money, started throwing it in, like went all in way too soon before I built the skills. Like made every mistake I could possibly make. dove in the deep end to figure but out.
0: But as we've talked about on previous shows, when you're making mistakes, what makes an entrepreneur or somebody successful mm-hmm become successful is not seeing a mistake as a failure, but seeing it mm-hmm. for what it is and learning how to overcome and mm-hmm. channel their energy in a new direction.
1: A hundred percent, and that's what it was. It was like, I dove in headfirst. first. I, I really, in hindsight, I don't think I could have made more mistakes. Like, I, I think I made, like, it's like I was trying to make mistakes. Like, in hindsight, I can't believe the decision process I made during this journey, but. You
0: were young too, though. What age was Yeah, do you do young
1: and, and not only that, like, very, Like insane. Like I I got. I'm a passionate person, but you lead that the wrong direction. Like I had. I had a problem with turns into mania at one point. Like some. Like it's gotten to some kind of dark chapters. Even growing up in, in school. Like I was very delinquent. You know, messed around with drugs pretty young. Like skiing was actually what pulled me out of that. And then all of a sudden, there was another chapter of kind of, a few rocky moments in between. But in hindsight, all of those things were these colossal blessings in disguise that I needed to go through. And those mistakes are what shaped me, gave me the tenacity to become the person I am now, which I'm like very proud to be.
0: So that leads me to a great question. Mo- many of us that have been following you for a long time once knew you as McPhee. Yeah. In fact, I hear you get called McPhee frequently around the house. Um, <laughs> for people that are watching can you tell us a little bit about the transition, not just musically and artistically, but in terms of your internal persona from McPhee to John James?
1: So McPhee um, was basically a persona I created that was um, really influenced off my delinquent teen self, um, but it was also very much who I really was at like a certain points, because McPhee is ve- like he's very unhinged, like full of just like unchanneled energy like at this point when you i feel like when you master a skill you can ch- channel the energy so much better like you become almost like calmer as a real person cuz your art reflects it but at this point in my life i was just like a maniac like smashing bottles on my head, doing drugs, like just wiling, 24 seven on the turn up, like just wiling. Like if I was going out, even when I was skiing, like I'd be on the ski pro, pro ski tour, I'd go hit the biggest jump, like fuck the little jump. I'm going straight for the big jump, doing something retarded. Everyone's like, yeah. Then I go like get high and go hit the after party and being like retarded. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was just always that, Always on. Just always on, just completely insane. It took me a long time to kind of like master myself in, in regards to like getting that under wraps. but. After I lost my pro-athlete contracts, I went into some debt, started having to, like, financial trouble really set in. Like, there's been points where, you know, I I was actually, like, sleeping in a car at some point. Like, it got... You start reevaluating a lot of your life decisions when it gets that real, you know? And that's where, like, I kind of realized I had to, like, kill off McPhee, not just as a character for my music to go further. I felt like McPhee had a ceiling to it. It was just... It could only go so far, you know what I mean? Like so, as a as a as music, but then also as a person, I needed to kill that person so I could become the best version of myself. And John James, like that's why the new album's called Rex Leo. It means self mastery. The Leo is the lion. I'm also a Leo, but the Leo is the lion. So the lion or the lioness. So you are the king or queen of your surroundings, but only when you become the king or queen of yourself. That's the Rex, the crown on the lion. So John James is like you know, about self mastery and like really putting your best self out to the world. McPhee's this delinquent fuck who just had to get his shit together. So I really had to just kill that off to become my truest best self. And there's a song called Resurrection on the album, actually, that's about that, where I kill off my old self to become my new self.
0: I know we all can't wait to see that video. I've heard a little bit of the chatter about what that video is going to feature. So, talking for a second about McPhee, Obviously, that is a persona and a musical style that you've laid to rest. We yeah. will say, but for those of us kind of wanting to look at the transition from McPhee to John James, historically, what is your favorite either video or track from McPhee's earlier stuff? And tell us why it means so much to you. Why it means so much to you, or why it's the track they are choosing.
1: My favorite one would actually be "All I Know," but I mean, one, I really am proud of that video too. Like, I direct, edit, produce all my own videos like up till um, recently. Not like "Hello" had amazing help. I mean, you were a huge part of the project. Chris was a massive part of the project. That was
0: many hours. It was of like
1: it was without your guys coming into super <laughs> tedious. Yeah, without you guys coming in to provide that extra direction, it was it just made it a whole different thing. But I'd say "All I Know" um, probably because it's actually closest to John James stuff. When I think about it, it's like, it's a little more... is that more
0: on your YouTube channel now? It
1: is. It's, it's actually got the second most amount of views of all my videos. Okay. Um,
0: and what and is the track about?
1: It's it's really about, like, all I know is going for it. Just 100%. It's like, this is all I know. It's like, I'm giving 110%, but it's like a little more of a fuck you version of it. Which sometimes, John James still has that in it. Like, mm-hmm. because I came from McPhee, I still... Am that kid?
0: It's just a more mature. It's iteration just a more swag of
1: version of it. Like it's like instead of like look at me, I'm gonna fucking do this. It's more like I don't really gotta say anything. I'm just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: that was pretty swaggy right there. <laughs> <laughs> I believed it. I bought it.
1: Word. Word.
0: So all I know, you guys can check it out on YouTube. What's happening in the video for those of us that are curious?
1: It's actually but uh, not
0: curious enough to go hit that.
1: It's funny because. Well, then you got to get more curious. Um, It's funny because that was actually the prerequisite stunt for uh, Hello. That was the first time I gained it off a moving vehicle. So it's off a U-Haul in it. And uh, I flip into a uh, dam reservoir, which was really freezing cold.
0: Which is the video where you jump off the building into the bush doing a gainer?
1: I do that in a few videos. Um,
0: Apparently this is a thing.
1: I used to gainer into a lot of bushes. I used to, yeah. You just had a dirty thought, didn't you? I did. <laughs> you could tell. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so you used to cater into a lot of bushes. <laughs> we know. Um, okay, so all I know, go check it out on YouTube. Now, tell us a little bit about what's about to happen with John James and then maybe highlight one track for us that somebody could go to iTunes mm-hmm. right now. Download or head to johnjames.com, J-O-N-J-A-M-E-S.com. What is one of your favorite songs that's currently available that somebody could listen to and kind of get into your head with you?
1: Um, out of the stuff that's currently released, I would have to say "Fatal Love." Um, I just feel it's—I feel it's kind of the Mona Lisa of the Rex Leo album. It's—it's it's just like I feel like lyrically, it's just a timeless breakup song. It's like yeah, like I really—I don't sugarcoat it. I like that about it. It's like I really talk about the raw stuff that happens during a breakup. Like, you know, like people like.
0: And then still mixed with the passion where you want to hate somebody and you're so mad. But at the same time, you're like, oh, there's still so much (laughs) (laughs) passion. We fucking hate each other and we can't stop having sex.
1: Yeah, like there's there's those elements. But then there's like the angelic voice of the girl part, which I remember when I wrote that chorus, I remember thinking like, I want this to be a broken angel sound. And this girl came in the studio. I didn't it even worked. know a girl. I, I, a friend of mine brought her in and she just was like very eccentric, cool girl. Shout out to Tara, by the way. Um, cool girl who just like fit the part. And it's like, that. so the broken angelicness is like the paradoxicalness of the relationship. It's like the love, hate, the push, pull, the mm-hmm. light, dark, which is like a lot of life. Absolutely. Really.
0: I mean, it is life, yeah. the end and the end. It's like
1: living with the open heart amongst the storm, you know, embracing the chaos. Absolutely, And that's what I feel like, like Fatal Love is like, it's almost like more than just a love song between male and female, if you look on a deeper level.
0: Now, Fatal Love, we're fortunate to have Tara Winterhalter. Helping, shout out to that Tara, too. Yeah, shout out to that Tara also. Um, Tara Winterhalter is going to be working on choreography with you for the Fatal Love video, which is mm-hmm. currently in the works. You guys are going to be doing some badass contemporary dance and acrobatics mixed with Stunton. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have envisioned for the music video artistically?
1: Um, this one is going to be the most out of my comfort zone. I think I've ever been because I, I, I don't come from any dancing background. I mean, a lot of it's going to be the girl doing the feminine dance around the masculine still energy. So I don't have to do like a ton, just like lift her and be the man. But um, I always kind of envisioned just like a bit of like like really passionate, like the the fiery, like almost like Romeo Juliet tragic love story ish. Mm-hmm. but more, like, fiery and modern and like, the, you know, the 21st century. So this version. is going to
0: be one of the first ones without, like, hoes and champagne <laughs> <like>, balling
1: <laughs> out with cap. Hey, this is going
0: to be the, it's like the film mean,
1: noir version of John James. <laughs> There's not hoes and champagne, they are girls and champagne. Go watch. Some women. <laughs> I do have a couple of r- racy. Listen,
0: I'm a feminist. I love me some women. Go watch those videos.
1: I do have a a couple of racy videos for sure.
0: Yeah, million million dollars. Million
1: dollar bitch. bitch. But that's like more the McPhee version. So like I would
0: now and listen. I actually really like that song and the video. A lot
1: it's of people. Pretty dope. Yeah, it gets good response. I would still do a similar style video, but it would just be like like the, it'd be like taking that and then pulling like the Vicky Secret version of it. You
0: mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, just.
1: It's upping, just a little more like
0: the the luxury little, aspect. Yeah, a little
1: exactly. Bit. It's just a little more upscale. A little swag, bit more yeah. swag. Yeah,
0: like John James. Like John James. So, other than Fatal Love, which now everyone can go check out on JohnJames.com, we're also we launched the Rex Leo teaser bundle until the album comes mm. out. One of my favorite tracks is on that album called Dream. I've been playing it a lot in my classes and we've had just like an unbelievable response. Even when I played it on a Periscope class, within minutes, people all over the globe were asking, what is this track? You know, whatever, uh, what's that? Shazam, just had a blank. Shazam's not picking it up. People were freaking out. Yeah. So, Dream's had this huge outcry of people wanting to download the track, so we finally made it available on your website. What is Dream about and what does that track mean to you? Because it seems to me like even Dream has a lot to do with kind of where you're going in your life mm-hmm. right now in this very moment.
1: Dream's probably the most vulnerable, honest, deepest track on the album. That and Dead Clocks. But um, yeah, I really like that track too. The funny thing was I was intimidated to write that track and I was terrified to show people it when it was done.
0: It's so good. It's
1: like it's like when you go that vulnerably raw with yourself, it's kind—it's almost like a private journal entry, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and it's got just like this epic beat, and I like just poured it all, like that's why I, I put it as the intro, it's kind of like a bit of like my life story, like I talk about wanting to rap, but like I didn't have the skills, but fuck it, you get one life, I'm fucking going for it anyways, and like just giving your all, and the journey of all that, and I talk about like, you know, your first love, and the breakup, and how like when a chapter served its time, you, you you can't save it, you just got to move on, like there's so many elements that I think are broadly relatable to everybody's life, but it's also, I did it while telling a lot of my life story. Yeah, that that part I
0: loved about it, for sure. And
1: then it just comes to this like epic riff on that chorus of just the girl saying dream. Because we all, I mean, have dreams. We all, like literally when we sleep or in like life, things we want to do, you know. Sometimes this life seems like a dream. Like it's just such a one word that says so much And then the music behind it is just so like powerful that, yeah, so I really like that song.
0: How would you describe your current musical style? Because obviously I know that you're a hip hop innovator and it's not really just hip hop, it's not really just EDM. Mm -hmm. How would you describe where your style is transitioning now?
1: At this point, this is like an exciting time as a creative. I feel like when you finally get to a point where you truly master your skill, not you're just good at a skill, like, when you're good at a skill, you still have elements of other styles in you because you have to look at something when you start out to, like, learn, right? But when you truly master it, it's, like, it becomes such an authentic expression of you and all your tastes and everything that I'm to the point, I just don't give a fuck about, like, what category I'm placed in. Like, it's just, like, it's, I'm just doing me. So it's, it leaves it very free. So I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely hip-hop influenced. Arm uh, bass is becoming a big influence in it. Like, the Hennessy Hearts album I'm doing way more singing on. Um, EDM, uh, chill step, did you have to teach house. yourself how to sing? Oh yeah, I taught myself all every, everything I know as far as the, the musicality side. I mean, I had a couple of piano, piano lessons as a kid, which didn't teach me a ton. Like, I couldn't like write music out of it. But when I went back to teach myself how to play, in later in life, just ha- understanding where middle C was, it's like I understood like the basic key, like a few things. But yeah, I mean I had to teach myself piano and instruments and producing and writing and rapping and singing. Like it's but luckily it's it's a modern era. You go on YouTube, you can learn a lot. And then not only that, you got the passion, you can learn anything.
0: Which brings me to a topic that we discuss a lot on Modern Good because a lot of our viewers are entrepreneurs. They're really focused on driving all areas of their life to achieve one passion-driven goal. What else along the way did you have to learn or grow in different areas to bring the entirety of your business together? Not just the creative, but obviously we know that you can't just have a creative passion and then hope that one day it's going to drop money in your pocket. You had to organize different areas of the business side Mm -hmm. to achieve that. So what other things did you have to learn along the way or what have you found to be the areas where you're in need of most
1: help? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's funny that you say that because I remember... At one point, I was like, if I just become the sickest artist on the planet, this will just work out. And I'm like, like, it doesn't quite work work that way. Yeah, that is the most important element.
0: And that's something that we always emphasize in all of my building, um, my build and brand workshops. It's not really true that if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come, but only if you market to them. That's how that really works.
1: And it's funny, because I've looked at case studies in the industry, and this is where I was learning is like, I've watched artists upload a song, like uh, do hardly anything with it. Like it, it kind of flops. Then they come out later; they're like a, on the verge of breaking. Then they come out later, get a huge single with another song, release the other song that didn't work because they believed in it, and it goes to number one on the billboards. Yep. So it's like just because you have a great product, if it's buried in the mud, it's, it doesn't matter. And it was you know learning that um, the hard way a little bit. And and now it's like I feel like people skills are important. Um, knowing your team like building a team is colossally important and that's probably been the most recent thing it's like at one point I was the CEO and the janitor for of the of my company forever and like just recently it's like having to like building out a team has just been colossal like you coming in on the branding stuff has just been huge and Chris coming in to manage everything has just been like colossal and providing that extra eye and that direction as far as some extra creative stuff it's like it's like building out your, your team with a common goal and weeding out also the, the bad players, the toxic players. Because, I mean, every rapper, especially in rap, you start out with your crew. Who, you know what I mean? And, Does that and, mean I'm in your crew? <laughs> we're, we're crew. Let's find it. Uh, yeah. But you start out with, like, your, your crew. And, like, because I, I had some interesting characters in my crew, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, you, we all kind of grew our own ways. But it's like finding out who really is adding value to the goal. If, but when you get passionate people who are A-list players playing different positions to a common goal, you that's when you really get unstoppable. But you can't just be, like, an A-list player with nobody around you and expect to win the freaking game. Like, you could be the greatest, you know, shooter in the whole thing, but you don't got a goalie? Like, you're fucked. Yep. You know Great. what I'm saying? So.
0: so with that, what are the things that you've found in your business you need to actually step back and let other people handle where kind of inside, you want to take control, but you mm-hmm. have to have that inner struggle with yourself. What are those areas? Because I think for a lot of our viewers, we've all had that moment where we've tried to delegate certain roles within our company or within our brand to other people, and there's still that one part of us that wants to try to have our ego assert mm-hmm. control. What are some of those areas that you're feeling that inner conflict with right now?
1: Um, it's, it's funny, because you really do feel that that inner conflict. I think the important part, is making sure that the person you're giving that position to, that you trust. And obviously, the longer they kill it for you, the the more you build that trust. Um, For me, having to take a step back, I, I I just know, I'm starting to learn when to fight and when not. If it really is something in my gut that doesn't feel right, I will fight to the death. But if it's just in my mind, and you gotta know when to decipher the two, if it's just something in my mind that I think my tastes like a little more, that I realize isn't a big deal. That's those are the elements you can start letting go. And I find uh, the the most important parts you need that in is when you have trouble with the objective eye. You know what I'm saying? Like when it comes to like videos, for example. For example, with Hello, when we were editing that, like I had it's me on the freaking screen, so I'm always tripping. Like, yo, I don't like the way I look in that shot. I'm like, fuck that, blah blah. And and uh, you, uh, Chris and Timbo were sitting there being like. Dude, you're tripping. <laughs> I mean, like, like fall is, back, bro. This is a
0: struggle that I have with myself <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, even, even photos. I
1: can't even pick my own freaking photo. Everyone like,
0: else that will pick the photo that they think is the best, I'll look at it and be like, Are you good are, are you smoking crack? Are you actually exactly, smoking crack Exactly. Exactly.
1: Right no. That. So it's like elements where you, it's too much you. You can't see yourself objectively. You just need to fall back and let like the people you trust handle it. And that, that's like for me, it's like photo shoots and shit like that. Like I, I, I go through photos and I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I like that and everyone everyone else in the room's like Bro, having you're done on crap. one of
0: your most recent photo shoots myself i can attest to this all the pictures that when i showed them to our test audience they were like oh my god that's the best one <laughs> he could barely even look at it so if you at home are in the process of building a website or a brand get somebody else to help you objectively look at your branding photos it might honestly just be you true mm. it might not be real Great. that struggle might not be real at all So when we're talking about assembling the right team, obviously there's a certain amount of intuition that needs to be utilized in that process. What is your process of bringing somebody on board and what does it look like to you internally when you know it's the right person that you can take a step back and defer to their opinion instead of having that internal ego battle?
1: I feel like it's a little trial and error, but the only way I know is when the results come in because I have been a little wrong, because sometimes I, I look too much into someone's potential, and not everyone lives up to their potential. So I, I see potential in everybody. Like, I can find the good, I swear I can find the good in like some of the worst people. So that's kind of, it's kind of a, I guess, good trait, but it can be a little bit of a character flaw for myself.
0: It can be really detrimental to it, your business.
1: It, it can, for sure. So um, if I like someone, I want them to be that person, but they don't always, so then you gotta just cut them off, and it is what it is, so I base it on results not on how much I necessarily like always vibe, but if you if you get the results and you vibe and they get the vision, like when you find like the star players, that's where you want to keep them because they're, they're not easy to find, I find. And so like,
0: what do you do to keep those people happy and motivated to keep building up your brand?
1: Common goals, common, like making them us feel like a part of it. Like it's a team. It's bigger than, than any of us. Like I, I look at what I'm doing as way bigger than just me. You know what I mean? Like the John James thing. It's like one. I feel it's like a, my purpose and mission in this physical world. So it's like I feel like I'm just a servant of that. So when I think of the thing as a whole, it's like by by knowing how to humble yourself and realizing you're just a part of the machine, and we're you know everyone's got that common goal. I think it's like a collective energy.
0: So they get to share in that collective in that. energy as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like instead of like I, I like to think of it. As if we were to go win a Grammy or some crazy huge award, it's like, I didn't just win that, we won that, like it's a we thing.
0: Absolutely, and I can attest being behind the scenes that you really are that type of leader where it is a collective experience, it's not just like me up here on my pedestal with like all you little <laughs> servants down there, um, which you know I try to bring into my business as well and it definitely works and it helps build a more meaningful connection between your employees or the people that are collaborating with you. Mm-hmm. So we all are about to see some pictures from one of the shows that you did last summer that just looked like it was absolutely insane. You were playing alongside Diplo, Flo Rida. I don't know who else was at that event, but I mean, it looked like a million people that I would want to go see with my friends. Uh, That concert had how many people?
1: I think like 10,000 or something. I mean, that
0: crowd was going off when you got on stage. What were a few of the tracks that you played, and what was that experience like for you playing for so many people?
1: Um... The experience was amazing. I was on cloud nine. I love being up on stage. It's like, I got to backflip off the DJ booth and just like seeing all those people and vibing with them and having their hands up. It's, it's kind of like doing a stunt almost. It becomes like euphorical and just like an energy that you get to vibe on. Uh, the tracks, what tracks did I do? I did On Max, which is off the new album. A lot of Rex Leo tracks. Go Big, Hello, um, I don't even remember it, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Just kind of turns into one. I just yeah,
1: or... I just mesh it into like one set type thing, and just. And do you roll. plan
0: everything? Do you plan the set ahead of time so you know exactly what you're gonna do when you do
1: it? I do at this stage in the game because um, a lot of people like have they might have like their DJ with them at all times. I had to learn, like I I have like like my DJ drama Diallo is someone who I've done a lot of shows with, um, but I don't always have a DJ with me, so I've just had to learn to not rely on having a DJ. So I created this new formula that I do, I just create one master track of all my tracks with the right breaks. Like when there's an explosion, it's not because the DJ is like, boom, it's like I put that in there mm-hmm. in, in pre-production before I even got to the stage. That's awesome. So it's like at some point, I, well, you know, I want like real fireworks and like a whole team of people pushing buttons. But as of now, I've just had to rely on myself for it. So it's just a pre-planned set.
0: So when it comes to future shows that we can all look forward to, do you plan on incorporating stunts into your future
1: oh, tour schedule? Oh, absolutely like my my dream show is like like a deaf person could show up and be like yo like that was just
0: through sheer vibe you know what i mean just like
1: holy that was the sickest concert ever like just cuz the visuals are that crazy but then also like a blind person could show up and be like oh my god like the hairs on the back of their neck are standing up like i want to just combine those two and it's it's never been done like if you look at like even the biggest stadium shows like rock shows have been going on forever like hip hop rock star shit whatever regardless of genre stadium tours forever stunt world is at a point where it's the stadium tours nitro circus sells out stadiums no one's ever combined that into one act until now so it's john
0: james
1: (laughs) stunt rapper so i'm doing it in the videos and i'm doing it in like you know the shows but i want to do it to the point like i want to do it on a major scale
0: so looking into the future because obviously you're really good at manifestation if you were to close your eyes right now what is the biggest show venue that you're going to have with these crazy badass stunts in the next two years? Just do them on it for a second.
1: I want to do a stadium.
0: Which one? I'm just trying to manifest it right Square. now. Live on here. Okay, that's, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking about Mad- really? I am from New York, See? but Madison that. Square Garden was in my head too. So there we go, that there shit we go. is happening. Manifest. So if you could have anybody on tour with you and I know that right now obviously like in the grand scheme of things we're just little guys compared to some of the big guys but let's say universal rules were not in existence if you could have anybody on your tour schedule where it was you and three other people three other artists and why
1: go oh that's hard okay first off the most important people and if any
0: of them are watching this it's all good for us anyways, even if, <laughs> even if you're saying something negative, like Drake, if you're watching this, which you're totally fucking not, it's only good for your career. <laughs>
1: um, uh, this, this, is, this is a hard one, but the, fir- the most important uh, people I want to have is like my crew, like that would be like the most important, like if it's, if it's us on tour and like the crew and the fam and the same people you start with, that's like number one. Um, As far as other artists, oh, man, this is tough. I feel...
0: You got to do it, though, and you got to tell me not just who, but why. Maybe it's musically. Maybe it's the type of crowd that they draw. Uh,
1: Okay, this would be... Who
0: blends in best with the John James brand? Oh, man, this is
1: so tough. Remember,
0: universal rules don't apply. Even if you would be their opener, they could be your opener in this scenario.
1: I feel like uh, Drake would probably be. I, I want Drake. Yeah, I had a feeling. That's why. Yeah. I, that's why I called him. And also, we're both the Canadian boys. You know, I actually want to do a track with. Uh, I, I I want to manifest a track with Drake and Bieber. Jake like, and Beebs. and Tara like, Winterhalter,
0: like, his choreographer for his fatal love videos, <laughs> completely in love with the Beebs. to the point where my employee and I looked over at her desk and she's got a calendar of all the trainings that we have coming the, up, and there's a day that she's going to Bieber tour, and it literally says Bieber with a heart, like that's, she's that's a funny. fucking eleven-year-old. I just love think you. of like
1: the ki- like us, like you know the Canadian scene. it's like we're all we're all Canadian, but we're like you know, I mean they do, they're doing it on a huge level, but I'm, um, you know. That's what, where I'm As gaming. a Jew, I'm a huge supporter of Dre. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest line I'll ever. <laughs> oh,
0: um, but then,
1: so D- Drake, uh, I feel like, I feel like, I I want to take all my stunt, my X Games homies on on the tour. So like, some of the Nitro Circus. Who boys who were
0: like, some of your favorite?
1: Uh, Rory Bushfield, like uh, Travis Pastrana. I'd want to take like. You know, some of the guys have already been involved in it. And, so you'd and want more. some of
0: the stunts to include more people yeah, than just yourself. Yeah, I
1: mean, I want to do, like, I have my stunts planned out, but it'd be cool if, like, while I'm rapping, there's, like, you know, some crazy dirt bike shit going on, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I really want it to be, like, a full-fledged show. Like, So um, those would be some of the other guys. And then other artists, I'd want to take a girl, probably, like, Rihanna or something. I'm a, I'm a huge Rihanna Ooh, fan. Oh, Riri. I love Riri. Um, and then, hello. Uh, There's so many, it's like.
0: (laughs) Well, let's pause there for a second. Who are, to you, and not necessarily that you're taking aspects of their music into your music, but who were the three most influential music artists to you in your journey to become John James?
1: It's weird talking about other artists, like even like talking about bringing them on tour. Like they're on like, well, their own leg. Well, because you're and he's also in his like, head right leg. now,
0: thinking about five years from now when this interview is going to surface, and they're going to be like, oh, you no, I, I wouldn't about
1: even it. trip about that. Like I could see myself even working with those artists, but like they're going to be on their own tour leg. Like, so if I'm on my own tour leg, like, I mean, but we could do a show together though. That's, that's, yeah, true. this is
0: a dream. This is a dream. Yeah. So when you scenario. take everything
1: out of it, uh, yeah. and
0: again, right now, can we're I bring just... people back from
1: the dead? Like, <laughs>
0: yep, I said universal rules.
1: Okay, that. in that case, MJ. Like, fuck everybody. Michael Jackson. I'm Michael Jackson, <laughs> me, and, me and him do a tour.
0: <laughs> so musical influences. Let's go back to that for a second. Um, and not necessarily, like <clears throat> I said, people that were expecting to hear aspects of their music in yours, but who were the three artists that really got you amped up to go into your music career full force? Wow.
1: Um, I would have to say Tupac was, was really influential to me when I was a kid. Uh, Eminem. Um, and maybe like Nirvana, mm. probably those three.
0: Okay. Yeah. And in what way were you influenced by Tupac? What part of his musical
1: style or persona? In hindsight, now that like, because when you're a kid, you don't. I love this about kids too. I love playing songs for kids. They're so they don't give a fuck about your feelings. They either like it or they don't. They don't know why they like it. Like I'm to the point now. I'm I'm an artist. So it's like. I can appreciate almost any art, like like genres I would have never listened to back in the day. I can like listen to them and be like, oh man, the writing of this song is crazy, or the chord progression, or listen to that melody, or how they sequence the drums over here, like, or they eq'd that snare. Like I hear all that shit now. Um, but as a as a child mind, when I think of Pac, I think what I really fell in love with was just like his passion, his like rawness. He was so real and just Given it, you know what I mean? I didn't even understand all the stuff he was talking about as a kid. I didn't even understand half the lyrics of any artist I listened to when I was a little kid. I just knew the energy it gave me. So I would have to say his raw passion is probably the initial thing that drew me to Tupac.
0: And then what about Eminem? Um,
1: Similar. Definitely, like, the raw passion. And then also just, like, the humor side of it. Like, the, the fuck you... Like, I was such a fuck you kid from as long as I can remember. Like literally, I had like pretty, quite a bit of tension I guess in, in the household when I was like really, really little. And I don't know if it's if I just came out the womb that way or if it was something that happened, like I don't, you don't always remember the first six years of your life but apparently they programmed me pretty intensely. And so I've always had that like, fuck the system attitude. And Eminem embodied that on a whole different level. So I think I just.
0: So it actually gave words and visuals to, to what feeling. you were feeling. Yes,
1: yes, it, totally.
0: And then what about our last one, Nirvana? When Nirvana? did that? When was that phase of your life that you were really rocking out to Nirvana? And what's your favorite Nirvana song?
1: Hmm, song. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I know it's their biggest song. It's like cliche to say that, but it's, it's super fucking epic. I just epic. judged you.
0: I judged you as you said it. It's
1: so epic. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like lyrically, it's like what it's about. Sonically, everything about that. The solo. It's one of those guitar solos I can It's a play. big one.
0: I think a lot of us that are pursuing creative endeavors, there's always some sort of process by which we get inspired and turn that inspiration into something tangible. What is the process that you use to actually bring a track from hearing something in your head intuitively through to our ears being able to hear it?
1: It's The, pro, the creative process is different for me every time. The most important thing is the intuitive element. Because intuitively, I just like vibe out and I just know when it's done and when it's not right. And I'll, I'm like insane, like ob- ob- obsessive with this shit. So I'll like bust it out till it's perfect. And I'll just, I don't care how many hours it takes. Like I'll work on a project. Like if I'm working with somebody, I, I rarely.
0: Like the <clears> hello <throat> video
1: two years later. Yeah. Well, anyway. the videos, it's like. I don't actually enjoy editing videos at all. That's not a passion. The only reason I ever did it was because I had had to. to. But writing songs, I fucking love that shit. Like, I can just sit there and write tracks. And do you write
0: all aspects of the song, from the lyrics to how the song is generally composed? Yeah, I
1: do. Um, Lyrically, I I really put a lot of importance on lyrics. Like, I'm obsessed with, like, making the lyrics really say something. Um, So, like, I... On the Rex Lee album, I wrote every word on that album. The, all the girl parts, all the other singers, like, I just wrote everything. Um, Beat-wise, I write like a lot of melodies. Like I play the instruments and, and, what, and whatnot on a lot of things, but um, I don't like sitting at the computer and engineering, so me having a co-producer to like, get the ideas out is what I like doing, and preferably a co-producer who's also like, extremely skilled and has like, their own ideas to bring to the table. And that's, like, finding that dynamic where you really got the chemistry is, is not always easy. And I've really found that on the Rex Lee album with Adium. Like, we just hit the studio, and, like, I'd spitball an idea, or I'd play a melody, and he'd be like, oh, I know the bass to that. And, like, like just, like, as quick as I'm thinking it, he's thinking of the next thing, and, like, just totally complementing each other's ideas and bringing together these songs. Like, it's, it's some of the greatest chemistry I've ever had with anyone in the studio. He's, like, truly a master of his craft. And, and he's he runs- the one that did the dream yeah, he, he runs. He runs the, the the boards. Like I rarely sit in the computer's chair because I don't like doing it, but I can still get my hands on the keys and play stuff and like get the ideas out. So it's it's really that's the ideal world for me as a producer. It's not sitting there, running everything. So
0: not the fine tuning, but the
1: initial concept. Even the fine tuning, as far as verbalizing it, like mm-hmm. yo, we need to. Uh, that snares too bright. Like I I, I know what I want to hear. I just don't like. I think it's because. I'm a bit like, I'm a pretty high energy person. So I like pacing around the room and like, you know, like getting into my zone, like spitballing some of my lyric ideas. And like, I'm writing the hook and I'm like, but while I'm doing it, I'm like, yo, 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 that snare's too bright or, yo, we need more kick here. Or the, we got to double time the, the kick over here or something, like just whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or even like Fatal Love, for example, it was originally a minor loop. I went in and replayed the bells on the, on the chorus to make it like more pop chord progression because I felt like the lyrics were so broadly relatable. So I wanted that to, like, have further reach. So by doing that, I changed, like, the core progression. I'm talking, like, musical tech shit right now, but...
0: That's okay. I like, like, I'm I sure really like being a part of that. We have enough of an audience that I'm sure yeah. people understand parts of that, even if some of our audience members don't.
1: Like, I really like being a part of that process, and then working with somebody else, I, you know, I can be a little bit... I like them to be a perfectionist, but I'm usually the the annoying one. Like, it's like, bro, like, the mix is good. I'm like, no, 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 hang on the hat's a little like, like I'm just like, I'm painful with it. Like, oh. So
0: I know how intuition works for me in my creation of either businesses or branding or business ecosystems. Anyone that knows me can attest to the fact that there are likely times that I've even just checked out mentally in a conversation. They're like, hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I just created a business. Hold on. Da-da-da-da-da. So for you, in terms of the creative process, when a song comes to you, do you get all of the aspects of the song at the same time, or do you get little tidbits that then end up being put together?
1: It's different every time for sure. Um, I've done it both ways. I've had full songs come to fruition that are just tidbits of things that turn into like sound like a cohesive thought, which is weird. And you just it's like, like hear it, them
0: in your head while yeah, you're doing something. It's almost like
1: you know how your subconscious is doing a lot of your work. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like my subconscious wrote the song, and it came to me in different.
0: Yep, it's been working on it the whole time, and then it just is like, hey, my conscious mind becomes aware. we're ready to roll. We're ready to roll.
1: So I like bust out the ideas. Other times, like I'll get like a feeling, like I've literally dropped my whole day. Like I had like a day of shit I had to do, and I'm like, fuck this. And I'm just like, like I get inspired off an idea, and I just like shut off my phone. It's it's really bad for business, but as far as some of my greatest creations come out that way. Like I'm like, I just get in my zone, I vibe, I do my thing, and I'm just like whiling in the car. Like I, I write a lot in cars. So it's like whether, even when I was living in that like little 96 Civic sleeping in it some nights, I'd like wake up and there'd be one speaker in the corner and I'd be like, writing rhymes, you know? It's like, it, I think it's just from, I don't know, living on the road and the ski tour and stuff too sometimes. I like have the car. It's your
0: safe place. It's
1: like my safe place. So I just like, I'm like wiling out in the car. Looks like I'm like screaming at myself to anyone who ever happens to come by. But I'm like in my zone and sometimes I'll just put it all as one cohesive thought. Like I've written full songs in just one sitting. And then other times it's like fragmented, so it's definitely different.
0: So I think what we're gonna close with today. I'm interested to know, out of everything that you've ever written, and I'm sure a lot yeah. of the things that you've written haven't even made it onto a song or a music video. Do you have one favorite line that, as soon as you wrote it, you're like, "That's the dopest shit I ever wrote"?
1: Um, I got. I feel it depends on the topic. I have a lot of one-liners I like. Um, but if can. you say
0: the face is a grenade or whatever, I'll, I'll actually, I'll cut and re-edit the whole damn thing. You're hey, busy.
1: have you been eating grenades?
0: Because my face is the bomb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, no. so pick
0: a one other than that.
1: No, no like, I got those, like, funny, like, a Shorty-type lines. Like, I like to throw those out. Like, the, I like stuff that's going to make the girl smile. Like, she's listening to it and she's like, you know, it's, it's kind of, like, cute but kind of funny.
0: Yeah. I mean, my girls actually loved that line when I heard yeah. it knowing you. I was like,
1: come <laughs> on. Um... But that's good. A good art supposed to evoke a reaction, whether you love it or hate it. If you feel neutral, it's like I fucked up. But if you're like, yeah. I fucking hate that no,
0: shit. I was adamantly opposed. Like, to like, Oh yeah, to you that really line. hated that
1: line. But then, but then, then somebody really quoted him, him was so like, best
0: creative <laughs> genius.
1: Yeah. So. Have you
0: been eating grenades because your face <laughs> is the
1: bomb? <laughs> um, but probably mine would be more like a deeper line, like fuck asking the meaning no of life. I'd rather define it. Like that's like more what I stand for. Is I like, love that one. Because I look at it and it's like, like doesn't matter. This entire world we're living in. From religion to everything, it's all man-made trying to explain the meaning of life and God and whatever the, they're trying to explain through a man, a human, or a man or woman, like a human being, which is no smarter than me. Like, who's anyone to tell me how I'm supposed to govern my reality? It's like, I know as much as anyone, if anything, about my reality, I know more than anything because I have the intu- intuition of myself. So fuck the outside, listen to the inside.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we talk about a lot in a lot of my personal development work is that as humans, all we really know how to do is see something or hear something and assign some type of meaning to it. And what ends up actually steering us oftentimes in a very terrible detrimental direction is having other people tell you how to define it especially when your brain has told you otherwise that creates Mm -hmm. that internal conflict where you always are looking at the grass is greener on the other side of the fence Mm -hmm. but what if but what if always living in regret so I think that line is the perfect line to represent everything that John James stands for I'm honored to be part of your career and team posse
1: (laughs) crewed up I'm crewed up. I'm in the the, the John
0: James crew. So y'all know at The Modern Good, we're all about building the world that you want to live in and John James is doing just that. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.